The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn from a leading doctor his opinion on the remedy to our sick care system. So stay to the show for some very interesting information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, May the 6th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the May issue, The Best of Times, in one of our 270 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy to pick up at one of our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. In addition, you can view and download the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Our friends at Ernest Arlene's offers the best of time special dinner each and every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make reservations in advance by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. Make plans to attend the Senior Health Expo on Saturday, May the 20th, beginning at 8.30 a.m. at the Center Well Senior Primary Care Center, located at 2900 East Texas Street in Bossier City. Free admission, free parking, lots of refreshments, snacks, resource information, giveaways, many, many door prizes, as well as tours of Center Well Center will take place. In addition, if you have not picked up your free copy of the 2023 Silver Pages, we'll have some copies there for you. Remember, it's going to take place on May the 20th is Saturday, so uh, pick up the April, excuse me, yeah, May issue of the best of times for more information and about a registration form that you can pre-register to possibly win some great prizes. Again, we hope to see you there on May the 20th. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, town and country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abers, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my radio show as a special guest is Dr. Farouz Denskeri, who is going to be discussing his recent book entitled Health Guardianship, The Remedy to the Sick Care System. So thank you, doctor, for taking time from your busy schedule to join us today on this radio show. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for asking me to come on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, let me tell our listeners, I highly advocate this book was enlightening, uh, especially if you're a member like myself, a past member in healthcare profession. I was back in the 1977 to 2000. Uh, it brings up a lot of things that are happening now that were happening then, and it and he 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 uh, he's, he has a great uh, history of the healthcare system. I thought you did a wonderful job in explaining the the ins and outs that a layperson probably would not understand it. And if it wasn't presented the way you're presenting. So, again, I put kudos on it. It's a very enlightening book, and I highly recommend you pick it up. Even though you may not be everybody out there, a healthcare professional, you're going to find it quite beneficial. And hopefully some of the items in this particular book, uh, the remedies that the doctor's presenting, will be implemented in the near future. Right, Doc? Um, That is right. I think, uh, actually, I would expand the scope of the audience. I think the intention of this book was really to uh, to write for the average American uh, individual who has an interest in, in healthcare. Good. And I would claim that uh, the, uh, there are 300 million stories about how the <laughs> healthcare in the, in the U.S. is sick care. So each of us have a story. So That's the truth. We'll We'll find the we'll find the trigger in this book that will go along with their story. So. Well, one of the everybody the one of the comments that he made in his book that I thought was very profound. He, you commented that more money is given to healthcare does not equate to better outcomes. Explain to our listeners what that what that uh, meaning. Yeah, very. Uh, it's a very simple capitalistic society. And last time I checked, we live in a capitalistic society and. <laughs> Every American, regardless of their political affiliation, they, we pride ourselves because the reason for that is uh, we went through about a century or so after Industrial Revolution to see which model would deliver a better value. The better value meaning in terms of better uh, quality versus price for average co- uh, customer. Uh, which model will create prosperity? And I think the story is written all over everywhere that uh, the capitalistic society did that. Um, going back to uh, the concept of that I think the capitalistic society that is that efficiency, efficiency by which we deliver a good and services to people. Um, uh, we've gone through, through your life and my life, Gary, we've gone through the time when we, uh, we didn't have TV and we didn't have <laughs> cell phones, we didn't have internet, and and we have made those available now. If you travel as much as I do, you could see that we cannot live in this society without a cell phone. 
That's true. The mobile mobile phone in our pockets have become the source of information, shopping, communication, interactions, everything. So coming back to the healthcare, it is, uh, uh, or what is the healthcare in the in the U.S. It has has the reversed uh, effect. It is a service. Uh, the healthcare is a service uh, that continues to have an increasing price tag. It's becoming more and more expensive, and its quality continues to go down. And these are. Uh, not the claims, these are science. Uh, if you look at, compare what we are spending today, I just noted that our per capita, meaning per person per year spending, has climbed up to $13,000 per year. This is at least twice as much as the Europeans and Japanese are spending. They're spending somewhere between four to 6000 per capita. Then you look at the results. A healthcare result is supposed to be a longevity, make you and I live longer, or better health outcomes, meaning we are healthier. So uh, we are not obese, we don't have diabetes, we don't have cardiovascular disease. And it is in this area that our healthcare is delivering miserable results. Our uh, life expectancy is not uh, longer than the Europeans and Japanese, and over the past couple of decades has actually started shrinking. We have lost a couple of years life expectancy over the past couple of decades, and the rate of chronic conditions, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular, continues to increase uh, uh, every year. So we have a, we are spending twice as much as Europeans for a set of service, and we are getting at least half of the value that they're getting. Uh, so we are not getting a good deal. That's, that's, the, that's the sad scenario. We're not getting a good deal. And, you know, you mentioned it in a book in many places, and I've seen that in my whole life. Is I think the healthcare system and the payment system and is getting so complex for us lay people, and even those healthcare professionals and the staff, it, it is so complex. And 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 of course, being complex, it's so expensive. Isn't that right? Well, um, uh, not really. Um, <laughs> the, uh, is I if I. We thought that going to moon was very complex. Right. Uh, until Elon Musk, uh, as an entrepreneur, capitalistic person, came in and showed us, no, by creating the SpaceX, uh, you know, he can easily do it, and you do it very efficiently. That's why the SpaceX, within the last this life, uh, and probably you won't believe this is statistics, but it's true, has flown more out of a space mission than the countries Japan and Russia together. Wow. I'm sorry, the China, China and Russia together, and I think the U.S. A entrepreneur concept came in and focused on how can we basically make the going out of the space efficient, uh, has created the value that the governments with their resources, three governments of the world, three of the largest governments of the world could, could not do that. Hmm. Um, so if someone asked me, going to moon, is it complex? Heck yes. Does it have to be too expensive? Heck no. True. Okay. And Good point. At the point, if you remember 30 years ago, do you think that the whole cell tower concept and the mobile and internet, isn't that complex? <laughs> it is complex. Can you, I have no idea how it works. All I need as a consumer is someone, an entrepreneur, 
to come up and figure out how they can deliver the thing that I need, whether it's a simple or complex, at an affordable price. And as the technology, technological innovation comes in, make it actually more affordable. And that is how, as you know, uh, is it is because of the expansion of the technology and the, the Internet and so forth, the level of the poverty has come down in the world because there have more connections to the rest of the world's market. Wow. And the healthcare in the U.S. is completely the reverse of that. With every technological advancement, it becomes more expensive and less affordable. And that's that's the problem. More more expensive and less affordable by the individuals and our government, our healthcare insurance and insurance costs, et cetera, are going up. So you mentioned in your book that the government cost-cutting trials and methods have not worked and probably will not work. And why is this? It's because um, I'm a surgeon scientist, and I have spent my entire life in healthcare since up the age of 17. When an engine is not efficient, uh, I make a car example. Uh, most of us know how the car drives. When the engine is not efficient, uh, remember the gas guzzlers of 1970s and 80s. Oh, yes, I had one. (laughs) Yeah, we would get 10 to 15 miles per gallon. In order to make the car travel more efficient, you have to improve the efficiency of the engine. Because a gas guzzler doesn't care who pays for the gas or who (laughs) rides in the car. It delivers the same 10 to 15 miles per gallon whether the government is paying for the gas or the, the employer is paying for the gas. In the U.S., the healthcare, to make it simplified, which was the intention of my book, the ultimate, the, uh, the payers for the healthcare, the ultimate uh, per, uh, person for the uh, healthcare is you and I, individual citizens. But we paid for this expensive and mispriced product through two channels. 220 million Americans, they get their health insurance through their employers, and the other 100 million they get through the federal government, through Medicare, Medicaid, you know, CHIP program, and so forth. But for the employers, it is the earnings of the companies, the employees that work for the company and that generate the value for the company. And for the federal government, it's our tax dollars. So it is a pocket out of our money. Through these two intermediaries, the federal government and employers, we are, we have, we are, we are paying for the healthcare as the most expensive item in our life. The current Milliman report just came out last year. The current price of price tag of the healthcare for an average family of four in the U.S. is 30, over thirty thousand dollars a year. Wow. Over thirty thousand. The average cost of housing is seventeen thousand. The average cost of food is six thousand. The average cost of transportation, owning a car, and so forth is about 9000 So out of the essential needs that human has, food is number one, shelter, housing is number two, then in the society, transportation is three, and then education and so forth. But healthcare has become the most expensive, almost twice, twice or four times more expensive than other essential needs. And if it had was delivering another... Uh, you know, better outcome for us, I would say we are paying for something that we are getting the results, but we are not. We are paying more and we are getting less. 
and the the situation of the outcomes is the sad scenario. I mean, let's let's talk. There's so many uh, tangent topics we could talk, but right. some of my uh, healthcare friends and others said, Gary, the price is high because we have to, and the number of tests we have to order, et cetera, is we have to play defensive medicine. What's your answer to that? Uh, that is not true. So that's why I wrote the book. Is so if you go back and so my story, as you may your listeners may be interested, I was a, a very successful surgeon scientist. I was uh, directing and chairing departments at you know famous places, Cleveland Clinic, Case Western Reserve University. When I realized that I'm in the business of sick care. <laughs> and basically what we are doing is benefiting the healthcare is delivered through 5,000 hospitals that are financial institutions, and they benefit from delivering the sick care services. So I, again, I was very successful. They put me on the board of a major hospital system where 11 hospitals, about $3 billion a year revenue. During that interaction, I realized the rest of the board members who were CEOs of major companies and banks, when uh, the discussions would come up, I would focus on what is good for the patient, what is going to do for our, you know, uh, for educational residents and fellows and the patient here. The rest of the board would focus on uh, what is on the bottom line, what is the cost of goods, you know, what is our gross profit. So I went to business school to, uh, uh, to through an executive MBA to learn and research answers to this question. A, why we are the most expensive healthcare in the world? Are we dumb, or <laughs> we are? Uh, what is the reason? Are we delivering a luxury that the rest of the world doesn't? The answer is worse. And I spent two years there. I put the uh, healthcare team together, and we dug in deep to how the hospitals turned in from a charity houses of the late 19th century to financial institutions, mega multi-billion-dollar financial institutions. Now, number one. Number two, why we are twice as expensive as the rest of the world? And the answer was, going back to that engine example, one, you could say, okay, I have a car that is giving me already 10 miles on the gallon. Why is that? I went and dissected the components of the engine that has been built over the past 100 years. And as you mentioned, I've written that history in the book. The reason we are the most expensive is the healthcare is delivered through 5,000 financial institutions they call hospitals. <laughs> the hospitals, rather than uh, when the beginning of the year when they put their financial projections together, rather than in another company, if you're selling, let's say, TV, you say, this is the number of sales I need to have, this is the revenue I'm going to have. Hospitals are going to do the same, exact the same thing. How much clinical volume I need to generate, and therefore how much margin I need to generate. That becomes the mandate for all of the department chairs and the doctors in the hospital to generate that much volume. So the clinical volume, the surgeries, procedure, labs, x-rays, tests, and so forth, are equivalent of the sales uh, for other financial institutions. The problem with the financial uh, institutions as hospital is the consumer is not a customer, is not an informed customer. The consumer, as I mentioned over the past 100 years, the federal government employer became the intermediaries. The consumer, you and I think that we have an insurance card in our pocket, so someone else is paying for it. There is no free money in this world. Someone else is me. I'm paying out of 
out of basically my earnings. Currently, out of the average $25 income for an average American worker, $11 of that goes to the healthcare without wow. the knowledge of that consumer. So that is the number one. The consumer is the only industry in the world that when you go to a hospital, you sign a white sheet of paper on the dotted line that I'm responsible and I'll pay off for every charge that you sent in. So therefore, the hospitals who have the incentive, financial incentive to do more volume, they have no capitation. They have no limitation. You don't tell them, this is the only industry in the world that I was telling my colleagues uh, before I opened the company uh, to tackle this issue is we are the only industry in the world that not only we get paid for the services we provide, we also get paid for the complications we create or we cause. <laughs> And therefore, over the past 100 years, and this is an independent research, the reason we are more expensive is because 50%, 5-0, at least 50% of what these clinical services that are generated by the hospitals are waste. Ooh. Waste meaning the services that they generate revenue for the hospitals do not generate health outcomes for the customers. So... So over the past two minutes, I've explained the kind of the fundamentals of why this is engine is inefficient. So and the reason I keep bringing the example of inefficient engine, because, as you know, there's this political divide in our country, whether we should go, uh, you know, a single payer or not single payer. The single payer to me is like, oh, the engine is inefficient. It's just only giving us 10 miles on the gallon. Let's buy a car for everyone, so everyone feels the same pain. <laughs> that is, that is interesting. That's an interesting analogy there. So hold that thought. We're going to be right back with more information. Yep. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebers, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a special guest, is Dr. Farouz Danskari, who is discussing his recent book called Health Guardianship, The Remedy to the Sick Care System. So thank you, doctor, for taking time to be part of our show today. Absolutely, Gary. So let's let's dabble into. I thought another, and you mentioned waste. We can talk a little bit about waste, but waste, you say in your book, leads to medical errors. And you say mm -hmm. in the book, and I agree with this because I've been a, uh, I've I've known this for years and years, but it seems like it's getting worse and worse. That medical errors are the third le leading cause of death in the United States. A striking. Uh, result that is true is uh as you said uh the cost of the waste unneeded care unneeded uh unnecessary care is not has the financial uh, consequences 
The research, independent research, has been published by John Hopkins University, has been published for Institute of Medicine, has led to medical errors before COVID as the number three cause of death in the U.S. Because so everything we do in everything we do in the in the healthcare system or sick care system has consequences, side effects, complications, and and. Uh, frankly, I would I would estimate that the number of complications or the cause of death is more than what has been reported. Uh, but nevertheless, is as you said, is a very striking. And every time I say this, I surprise myself that the medical errors after cardiovascular and cancer has become number three cause of death. But this is really the validation of uh, the fact that we have significant unnecessary human waste in the system. And the reason we have that because the drivers of those unnecessary care are financial institutions that called hospitals that they thrive and financially benefit from delivering those services. Well in in your healthcare practice over the many years, have you have you seen it increase? Or do you see that hospitals and oh. physicians oh. and staff learn from their medic their medical errors and try to improve? Well, let me clarify what I mean by error or what is the technical definition of error is not the intended mistake. It's not a, that doctors or nurses, they unintentionally, they, you know, they create problems. The errors is the natural side effect of what we do because as simple as injection into your body, as simple as simple cut into you and so forth has a side effect, disrupts the natural part of the body. Over the past weekend, actually, I was doing some surgeries myself, and I had conversation with two nurses, and the nurses opened my eyes that probably the amount of the waste and uh, why the waste leads to complications. And I'll give you a simple example. Uh, is There used to be that for every patient in the ICU, uh, basically there's a ratio of how many nurses pay ICU bed or ICU patients should be there should be one nurse at the maximum for two ICU uh, patients. In majority of the cases, when I was doing my training about 30 years ago, it was one-to-one uh, because complexity of the patients I see. But now the hospitals are forcing on the nurses uh, to cover at least four, five, or six patients wow. under their care. And the nurse was saying, the nurse was telling me, it said simply every single moment I have 15 to 20 things to do for every patient. And therefore, basically by uh, stealing the time, I don't have time to attend to that bed sore. And the bed sore is going to get infected tomorrow. And what I'm going to do, rather than preventing it, I'm going to call the infectious disease consult, and he's going to come and do. It is a it is a cascade. It's a, Actually, I've written in the book, it's called the reverse U uh, phenomenon. Too little of something as too much of something is creates bad results. Too little blood pressure will, you know, make you faint. Too much of blood pressure will cause a stroke. Too little of blood sugar will <laughs> make you faint. Too much of blood sugar will give you. And that is what the, uh, the, uh, the healthcare problem is. The problem is not that the doctors are making intentional errors. The problem is the, the first misalignment. If you ask me, what was your diagnosis of this engine, why the engine is creating so much waste, there are three major misalignments. Number one misalignment is 
that over the past uh, uh, 40, 50 years, the hospitals figured out that in order for them to someone to feed them the cases, feed them the clinical volume, they need to control the doctors because people go to doctors. So first they started hiring the specialists. There used to be a time, actually as not as at the time when Medicare was enacted, doctors were independent. They would use the hospital to admit their patients, but they were not the employees of the hospital. So they went first and hired their specialists. And then they realized in order for the specialists to have cases to operate on or do stuff on, they need to control the primary care. So over the past 30 years, the hospitals in every market, they have gone and basically purchased and hired the primary care doctors. Currently in every market, most major markets, 75% of the doctors are employed by the, uh, by the hospital. And that is a part of my uh, wake-up learning. As a part of the board member, my job was to go and identify the primary care physicians in different markets, in different parts of Northeast Ohio, where we'd hire them. I would go and, you know, interact with them and hire them. Hello, doctors, in a group of four or five, welcome to our system. Uh, this is your salary. This is your bonuses. About uh, one or two months later, I will show up with a number of MBAs or the administrators. I said, doctors, your numbers are not good enough. They said, what do you mean? I said, you can't just make your salaries with 25 patients a day. You need to see 40, 50, 60 patients a day. And they said, but we can't take care of the patients. I said, you don't need to take care of As soon as the patient comes in, either you order a lab, you order a medication, or you refer them to me as a you know urologist and so forth. Is So the first misalignment that the doctors being hired by the hospital has changed their incentive and their financial rules. The doctors used to be, if I was a doctor and you lived in the same neighborhood 100 years ago, we lived in the same neighborhood. I bought, we bought from the same grocery store, from the same bakery and the butchery. I knew you and your family. And when you came to me, I knew my job was to take care of you and solve your problem. Now that interaction I explained uh, between me as a board member and the doctor, the, every doctor has a targeted clinical volume that they need to generate. There's a unit called the doctor's note, doctors who are listening to you. It's called the RVUs. Related yes. value unit. Right, I've so heard every that. doctor, yeah, every doctor's productivity is measured by the amount of RVUs they generate, and if they generate less than that, their salary will be cut, but their bonuses won't be given. So the doctors, and what does the doctor have uh, to take care of the patient? They have their training, they have their expertise, and their time. What the hospitals are stealing from this relationship, from this sacred relationship between the doctor and the patient, is their time. Again, a person like me goes and says, I need to see 60 patients a day. So the average time of the doctor is spending with the patient now in the U.S. is less than five minutes. Less than five, five minutes. Less than five minutes. So, and now, as I explained, my colleague nurse was explaining, now they're stealing the time from the nurse and the patient. So that is the first misalignment. The primary care doctors have become the referral machines for the hospitals, and the, all the doctors, the specialists and the, uh, the primary care, they have become the agents of creating the clinical volume for the, for the hospitals, 
and their salaries and their financial incentives is tied to that. That's the first misalignment. And as you could see, this has created a perpetual overutilization of the surgeries and labs and, and so on. The second misalignment is because, as I explained, uh, two-thirds of Americans, they get their insurance through the employers and one-third through federal government. The Americans, they this uh, uh, and for uh, employers, they go and basically buy the insurance from the private insurance company. So this has created what is called a third-party payer. So someone else other than the consumer is paying for the hospitals, right, called the insurance companies or Medicare. Therefore, this third-party payers are paying for this waste out of the pocket of the individual, right? The right. federal government doesn't come and ask me, Beers Donishkeri, are you in agreement that I pay a million dollars on your behalf to this hospital? <laughs> they don't. No. Right? No, or the do employer not. doesn't. And the third misalignment is because of the separation of the role of the payer, uh, the consumer is not the customer, uh, consumer is not the payer any longer, has created this morale hazard, has created this confusion in the mind of the consumer that they think someone else is paying for it. I was on another radio show or a podcast with a gentleman who just had this hip replacement. And he said, oh, I had this hip replacement and I only paid $20 for my walker when I was recovered. I asked him which hospital he had gone. I have a uh, a pricing tool with me. I, I looked up the price of the hip replacement. I looked up the price of the the MRIs that he had and so forth. During the live conversation I had with his podcast, I told him that the cost of your hip replacement was $75,000. He was about to fall off his chair. He said, oh, I thought I only paid $20. <laughs> I said, I said, you wish. That was, right? a, that was the non-covered item that, that, that all that factoring didn't uh, right. pay for. Exactly. Right. So this consumer not being cognizant of the total cost of the care has really hidden the cost of the care. And that's why I think during the uh, uh, Trump administration, they created the price transparency, which now hospitals are cheating through their teeth to kind of reveal the information about the pricing and so forth. So it is this three misalignment that has allowed this continuous waste, uh, waste on unnecessary care, waste in the pricing. Five miles from my office here in Ohio, I can get an MRI of my knee or neck or wherever for less than $500 if I go to an independent facility, or I may pay between four to $5,000 if I go to one of the hospitals. And again, majority of the consumers, they don't know this. True. My wife knows all the discounts in the grocery store. She goes on grocery shopping on Wednesdays because she knows <laughs> she gets 10% discount. That's right? good, yeah. But the price shopping for uh, healthcare uh, services is totally out of our out of our uh, vision. And uh, whereas, again, I'm reading directly from the from the executive order that President Trump issued, more than 90% of the healthcare services are shoppable. 90%? So these are that. The, wow. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So these are the three misalignments that exist in the system. So if you ask me how could you fix the engine, I say, you know, we will fix the misalignment. And believe it or not, it's much simpler than what you think. 
It's much simpler. It doesn't need really the act of Congress. With a couple of innovations, uh, this we can uh, kind of change the course of this uh, ship that is going to uh, a cliff, going to a disaster, because no one else can afford it anymore. The federal mm-hmm. government can afford it. The employers can afford it. Individuals, you know, can afford it. We can change the course, and frankly. Uh, deliver the next generation of the healthcare, not only for us, that is very efficient. So generate the next car generation that would give us the 100 miles on the gallon at half of the cost of the current system and become the beacon of the hope and beacon of the uh, next generation of healthcare for the rest of the world. Wow. As you know, our healthcare is kind of everyone likes to come to U.S. to get their surgeries and get their healthcare from the kings and the queens. We have created a model that everyone else wants to come here, but we can't afford it ourselves. (laughs) So the concept of the health guardianship that I have explained in the book is really is how to, again, I've explained how I identify this uh, misalignment and how we can fix it. Well, hold that thought. We're going to have one more segment, and we'll discuss that as well. We'll be right back with more information. And now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, the country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest is Dr. Farouz Denskari, who is discussing his recent book, Healthcare Guardianships, The Remedy to the Sick Care System. Well, Doc, you, you brought up some fascinating information that I know our listeners, will, once they pick up this book, are going to really be an eye-opener. Uh, and let and his book is very didactic, and, and toward the end of the book, he's going to explain. He has several recommendations for fixing our sick health care system, not just put a, a bandage on it, right, Doc? Exactly. Uh, we, I think we have a historical opportunity to, uh, to change the course and fix the system. Well, hopefully, one of the items you mentioned was reducing the waste and fixing by this misalignments, right? Right, right. So the solution is uh, 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 is actually, if you imagine the concept of the bow tie, uh, I wear bow tie, so that kind of <laughs> triggered me to this path. The bow tie, and actually if you Google it, the bow tie is considered a, a bow tie risk mitigation or risk model that is taught in the business school. Mm-hmm. The concept is if you look at the bow tie, there's a knot in the middle, and there are two wings, one on the right, one on the left. The knot represents an event that one wants to uh, prevent it because this is called is a hazardous event, whether it's a chemical spill, whether it's a fire, whether it's a car accident, whether it's a medical condition, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular, infectious disease, right? right? We have two choices. Theoretically, we have two choices. One is wait for that event to happen and then go and clean up after it, right? One is to be realized that the risk of that event is real, 
and we can put our forces to prevent it or eliminate it. And both in healthcare and non-healthcare industries, we've had successful results that we have gone, when we've gone on the left side of the knot, we have eliminated or prevented. I'll let's start with the healthcare. If you go 100 years ago, the infectious diseases were number one cause of death in the U.S., around the, around the globe. And they still are in the countries that didn't go through this process. So after discovering the bacteria and the viruses and, you know, antibiotics, we figured out the best way to eliminate or reduce the infectious diseases is to provide clean water, clean food, and vaccination at the national level. And through that process, we created the public health system. Uh, we have at the federal, local level, and so forth. And by God, we eliminate the infectious diseases as the number one cause of death. Right? Right. That is it. And it is such an efficient model we created. Currently, uh, the public health are uh, provided through about 4,000 county systems. And we spend less than $100 per capita for our public health. When we eliminated the number one cause of death, the infectious diseases, number two was cardiovascular, followed by cancer and the trauma. We did the same with trauma, actually. We realized in order to uh, reduce the mortality from trauma, we do, pre we do a speed control, we wear seat belts, we wear helmets, you know, when we bike and so forth. And by God, we have reduced the mortality uh, by more than 30%. That's true. Then other industries, uh, we, uh, uh, in airline, airline is my favorite example because we've flown less than 120 years. Uh, the very first flight took place in 1903, December 3, 1903. Before then, flying was a dream for human beings. Uh, we used to put wings on our back and jump <laughs> off the cliff. And, That's right. right. Because we... We knew physically it's possible because the birds are flying, right? right. We knew physically. We hadn't discovered the, uh, you know, the rules of it, the, you know, the science of it. So when we started flying after 1903, we said the human beings told themselves that airline crash as the knot of the bow tie is, un uh, is unacceptable because mm -hmm. that would basically kill that industry. That's and true. therefore, we put all of our efforts within the past 120 years on preventing airline crashes. And by God, through this process, we have created the safest mode of transportation in the world. Currently, the airline travel is the safer than the car and the, you know, the cars and the dunk, uh, animals on the ground kill more people on the ground than airlines on the, uh, yes. at 30,000 feet elevation. And right. so, so we've learned the analogy there is to make sure yep. that the system is doing where your body. Likewise, we should do preventative care on our own self to make sure that we right, don't have right, a. Right, and that, right. is that what you're getting to? Exactly, and the same thing we did with fire. When we came out of the caves and started living in in the structures, we realized fire is a real risk. We put all of our effort in fire prevention. We teach our kids. We all have fire detectors, smoke detectors in the house. And therefore, seas towers and empire states of the world have stood tall for, you know, decades. In the healthcare, which I call it the sick care, because of the way it was built over the past hundred years, we had to discover what is it that causes the cardiovascular disease? What is it causing the, the stroke and the cancer? We have focused our entire attention on the right side of the bow tie. We wait for the obesity to happen, then we offer bariatric surgery. 
we wait for the diabetes to happen to offer insulin. Actually, the entire training of the doctors takes place by starting from a chief complaint. If you don't have a chief complaint, if you don't have a symptom, you don't go to the doctor. But we all know that the risk of obesity, risk of ob- uh, diabetes, risk of cardiovascular is real. When we get to our fourth and the fifth and the sixth decade of life, if we haven't had a life, healthy lifestyle and so forth, we are going to get obese. We're going to get diabetic, right? <laughs> the, problem, the problem, though, is the reason we haven't shifted yet is because there are 5,000 hospitals, 5,000 financial institutions that are focusing on the right side of the bow tie and they're financially benefiting from it. The Cleveland Clinic last year announced $1.3 billion net income out of about $12 billion income. When I came to Ohio, Northeast Ohio, I came to join the Cleveland Clinic as staff. The revenue of Cleveland Clinic was $3 billion. Last year, they passed over $12 billion. Whoa. The question to me is, this 400% growth, is it because the people of Northeast Ohio 400% became healthier, if this was a healthcare, <laughs> or the need for a sick care system increased by 400%? The answer to both those questions is neither. Is this hospital, they keep generating more and more waste and more volume because they financially benefit from that. They keep building this shiny building. <laughs> so the good news is, going back to the solution, over the past 100 years, not only we have discovered how we can you know, diagnose the heart disease and the cancer, we know what the risk factors for them are. However, we don't have financial institutions who can benefit from eliminating this condition. And that's why the concept of the health guardianship was born in my mind. If I go and start a company, that I come to the employers, I say, I want to financially benefit and profit from keeping your employees healthy. Right? Keeping them out of the hospital, keeping them... uh, Keeping them out of the hospital and so forth. I'll be a very... I'll be a, be a very proud entrepreneur, but I'm delivering exactly the same value that the employer and the individual wants. Because if I can eliminate the cardiovascular or lower the risk of it, if I eliminate the Alzheimer, the cancer, and so forth, to the same success we've done with the infectious diseases, guess what? Number one, our cost will come at least half of the current cost. Number two, as we did with the infectious diseases, we'll add another two or three decades to our life expectancy. Because the, currently, when we get to our 50s and 60s, since we have not done the risk mitigation of our health issues, right? right? When you go to 80, the causes of death are cardiovascular and strokes and cancers, right? Right. If we can delay and eliminate this by risk mitigation, not waiting for the symptoms to happen, we have biological examples, very much like the flight, that people can live to age of 100. We have people who have lived to 100, 105, 110, 120. I have a, I swim, I'm a master swimmer. There's a lady who swims with us, she's 103. Wow, awesome. So that's why in the book I propose that if we create this innovative company's health guardianship, turn our attention from the right side of the bow tie, to the left side of the board side, go into the business of mitigating and removing the health risk for individuals, 
we can prolong the life expectancy for another one or two decades. That's that's remarkable. Hopefully, more people and entrepreneurs will take your and you have already implemented it. By the way, everyone, uh, visit his website. It's called BowtieMedical.com. B O W T I E Medical. Dot com. Well, Doc, I thank you for taking time to join us today. Your book is fantastic, Healthcare Guardianship, The Remedy for Our Sick Care System. I highly recommend it to all of our listeners out there and readers of the best of times, as well as even some healthcare professionals who might find his book quite interesting. I did. I found it quite interesting. Again, thank you again for taking time. It was quite educational, and best of luck to you, and uh, keep in touch. Thank you so much, Gary. It was an honor to be here. Have a great day. Everybody, please pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times in one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.